Hey, I'm Amber. Welcome to Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with me. The Lackawanna County NAACP is having their grand opening. Come out on September 21st from 4 to 6 p.m. The grand opening will be held at the Scranton Enterprise Center, which is located on 201 Lackawanna Avenue. We hope to see you all there. Hey guys, it's Amber and welcome back to Politics But Make It Fashion, Come Interview With Me. And today I have a special guest on our show. This is my friend Elaine. We were in the Navy together. We served um, on the Abraham Lincoln. So both of us are female vets, moms, you know, China veterans mm. navigate the whole thing. Um, kind of the reason that I wanted to talk to her on here today is because both of us served together on the same ship and both of us struggle with similar physical health issues. Um, and symptoms it's like crazy because we're not old relatively you know strapping young (laughs) strapping young women um but on the inside we feel hella old so today we just wanted to chat about you know our navy life how it was what we liked and didn't like and kind of what life is like now as a as a veteran you know so uh thank you so much for coming on my show for sure thank you for having me absolutely so I guess I'll start off with just like, why did you even join Navy? That age old question. Um, so at the time I was 19 living in uh, an apartment that my mom paid for uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and... I had absolutely nothing going for me except death. Uh, So in an effort to save my life, my mom basically was like, you know, (laughs) I mean, she was like, I'm done. You know, when your lease is up, no more apartment, no more car, no more cards, no more phone, you know, but you go to the service, you know, you could have a life and you won't die at a young age. And, um, I mean, the idea of dying so young, yeah, uh, just, I didn't want, I wasn't ready to die. Yeah. So, uh, I agreed and my mom originally made, um, an appointment with an, with a recruiter, uh, with the air force, but they didn't show up for our meeting. Mm, air force and... always messing up. <laughs> so I was like gotta go and my mom was like we're not done so she took me around the building to the navy the the naval recruiting station walked in and was like are you guys accepting new applications and they said we sure are and my mom said great here's my daughter i had gold purple red hair i mean i looked like hot shit um and i mean that was basically it um I went to boot camp and detoxed heavily from all the alcohol um and I mean how did you like boot camp 
<sighs> so I got asthma'd. <laughs> I so asthma'd is basically when so boot camp say regularly is six weeks long. If you get asthma'd, that means you like failed something or did something wrong, and then you'll get sent back. So it can go from originally being six weeks to like eight weeks or people who didn't, couldn't swim 12 weeks. Or... <laughs> you sound like you're speaking from experience. No, I could swim. Oh, okay. So yeah, I went, I was done. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so uh, I have always struggled like with like attention and in boot camp, it did not serve me well. <laughs> well, I I was actually in a nine hundred division. Me too. Uh, because <laughs> I did have prior like um ROTC marching uh, and yeah yeah, yeah. And, so a nine hundred division in the Navy, you're like a special boot camp unit, and so you either sing at graduation, flag twirling, rifle rifle twirling, and marching. Yep. Um, so I was in 900. I sang. I was in the choir. <laughs> um, I was. But you had to know how to do every like, because you'll just yeah. Um. So the marching, um, spots were full, and the only spots left were rifle trolling. And yeah. I didn't know shit about that, and they were not willing to like train you. Yeah. So basically, they were like, "Oh, you can't twirl a rifle." Okay, go clean something. That was like, <laughs> here we go. Yep. And yeah, so I was asthma'd back two weeks to another division. Um, because I yeah, just failed to meet their needs. Um, and I mean those RDCs, I mean, knowing now, I mean, if I knew then what I know now right. about hazing yeah and, and what the purpose of it was yeah, uh, yeah i mean all the shit talking if i could go back i'd be like i need you to <laughs> just let me do what i do because i'll be fine just the way i am <laughs> i was older when i went in and my parents were in the military and my brother went to boot camp before me so i knew that it was just a lot of shit talking like you know that it wasn't necessarily personal that and I knew that they were gonna build you down to build you back up in your image, you know. So like I already had that in my mind. So I think it allowed me to ignore a lot of just dumb things because I was older too when I went in. So I was thoroughly annoyed normally a hundred percent of the time. I mean, they took somebody who was already at rock bottom. Yeah. Like yeah. they took some like they like when I went in there, like the name calling, like the abusive yeah. talking like that's such a good point you know what i mean, I mean? I, there's so many people that we went in with who a normal person went in for detox who went yeah. in out because they were going to go to jail or who went in for anything and you're right you're, you are taking people kind of at the bottom of the barrel and i think a lot of people have this, this idea about people who join the military that it's like the best of the best and you know everyone is super patriotic when a lot of times it's, people don't have another choice i so, ate when I was in boot camp, I made damn sure I ate everything I wanted because that was the first time in a long time that I had like three hot meals yeah. provided to me. And like, I, I mean, the food. 
I hated everything. I barely ate. What? I did not want to have Listen. nothing to do with that. I was so skinny by the time I got <laughs> that just from the running. My first RDC like called the... me tubby, and I was like, "Ours told us she was like, I'll just, allow because, just because you're black doesn't mean they're gonna let you be thick." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I was like nobody where'd that come from nobody asked you <laughs> i could not stand her oh that woman no oh my god one of my rezs dude like she used to get mad she used to get fumbled over her words which would only piss her off even more so shoot me i'd be like okay oh my god i'm sorry they would um, just be yelling at you and you'd just be like yeah but like the thing was is like I was like it wasn't anything new that I hadn't experienced so I think my indifferent attitude was what pissed them off the most like you think you're the first person to fucking yell at me and belittle me bitch let me tell you about my dad (laughs) like like, there wasn't anything they could like yeah did it hurt but there wasn't anything and there really isn't anything that anybody could really say or do because I have literally been tortured yeah i mean as a child so i mean i have i was no stranger yeah to that type of like mental abuse yes like somebody trying to, to mind fuck me get over, you're able yeah. to just focus and still get through your day because it's you know it's, i it's was there normal. for a place to live a job yeah. and survival like three things that i was really good at yeah at that point in my life so there wasn't an, there wasn't going to be anything standing in my right. way. Like even when I went into the Navy, like I had to sign, like I had to fill out special requests. Yeah, the waivers because, and stuff. Because I had so many scars on my body, and like, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It it wasn't the best experience, but um, I mean, I barely made it. Like, barely made it. <laughs> I, I even had somebody come up to me after we were done with battle stations and be like, I just want you to know that you barely made it. And I was like, okay, will you see this Navy ball cap I got? That's all that fucking matters. So thank you for not saying anything. Oh like, I struggled mentally, like, academically. Like, I was just always all over the place yeah. never really knowing why and somehow i was just always getting by <laughs> always getting by somebody was like we can't send her back no, not when, gonna make it when you got out and you went through school and stuff you came to the lincoln yeah so i finished i mean so i graduated boot camp went over to a school and was there for a hot minute and then hung out afterwards after school was over yeah and then yeah was flown out to the ship uh after you guys had departed malaysia and that was a good time what was that 2010 Mm -hmm. you guys had just departed malaysia and i met up with you guys i caught got caught it on the ship i swear to god that plane was going down that plane is dangerous (laughs) It's I not dangerous. Well, yeah, it looks rickety too. I mean, on the inside, listen, it's not stable. No, I mean, the, it literally sounded like the engines would die. It would be like, 
and then we would just glide yeah and i would just be like is i'm waiting for the engine to start up again uh so yeah uh met up with you guys right before bahrain so was that almost like your second plane ride then or had you been because that would be scary because i know a lot of people's first plane ride was like to boot camp so if that was like oh no okay because i was like that would be so scary (laughs) on that cod for that to be your second i mean it was it was all like a blur everything was like boom 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 boom. as soon as they loaded you on the bus it was like shut the fuck up (laughs) i mean and the thinking was done like i no longer had to think for myself yeah yeah and it was nice for me i just was like why did i do this every day every anytime anybody would be like this was a terrible idea amber Mm. this was a terrible idea sometimes you really just have no choice yeah and i knew i had goals yeah and i knew that this was the way that i was gonna reach them and it for me too it didn't matter how terrible it was i was like it's fine because i know what i want on the other side and i knew i wanted it way more than i cared about anybody saying whatever to me or anything so if so if somebody was standing in between me like I wasn't gonna let anybody stand in between me and my meal right and that has been the motto yeah like no matter what so when you got on the Lincoln Mm. and then you went so Bahrain was the first port visit yes and I had no social skills so when I got to the boat I didn't know how to talk to anybody like I made no efforts to connect with anybody like I mean that was my first time like really being in the world on my own yeah like without any help from my mom yeah you need a help girl I did I did I was lost we're lost so somebody signed out with me to go (laughs) out on liberty and um by the end of the night, I was being escorted by being one foxy because I didn't know how to get back. No, it I was, was a journey to get back though. Like you had to take a bus, didn't like you? It was it was a haul. Yes, I mean you had to take it might have been more than one bus, and then some ports you had to take a bus and then like a ferry and stuff. So yeah, so getting back to the boat was no joke. That's right, like, dude. It yeah, I, it was a blessing that I he was the oldest looking man that I think I knew I, I mean I thought there were like age requirements but I think he just may be great early no because when I was in boot camp I was with a girl who was like 35 I think the age they kept lifting because of retention and like the war mm, they kept sense. lifting the age requirements so so he like skated uh, but I don't know how long he had been in either because I remember they would be like he'd been in since since Columbus <laughs> dude the people that we had that we served with were a complete disaster um i loved all of them god dude (laughs) this duo right here i think just like we were just a department of people who had a lot of issues like if you look at the people like (laughs) come on like listen we could get into it. I mean, but, no. I feel, but I feel like that's what made us work because we were just yeah. all a bunch of fucked up people yeah. working in a fucked up department, doing some nasty fucked up work and Ugh. partying hard when yeah. it was time. Yeah. I definitely. mean, worked really hard and partied really hard. Paying, too. And paying our arm hair, yeah. 
paint like in our hair. Yep. That was about it. Paint everywhere because it would go through your uniform. So you'd randomly have paint under on parts of your body. That's right. That's right. Just covered hands covered in paint. So even though they're clean, they're clean. They're covered in paint. That's right. They probably had lead in it. I mean, <laughs> our problems are not from the Navy, right? Like the yeah. Oh, let's talk about Bahrain for a moment, and and you know the United Emirates and Mm -hmm. um the burn pits, (laughs) and and how that we're you know kind of believing just because again we're literally across the states from each other and how that correlates to um the fact that there's obviously a bacteria something somewhere and the doctors are like it's not H pylori I just don't know yeah. That's so when they, um, you know of. one of the new things that passed last year or maybe maybe like 18 months ago something like that was the PACT Act and basically that gave a lot of veterans a preemptive if you were anywhere near areas that had burn pit um, that you probably were likely to suffer from some type of disease and be very unhealthy and probably die early. Hmm. One of the I had the pleasure of being on a round table with Senator Bob Casey um, before the bill was passed to really help pass the bill and just talk about being a veteran and talk about being a female veteran. And there was a commander there who was on a round table with us. And he was talking about how, how when he got back after doing like two tours, how many people in his unit died after that from like cancers, like stomach cancers, brain cancers. And these were people who were, our our age young people you know who went in you know did two tours and managed to come back and then got super sick you know on top of everything else right and it took a you know a while for people the VA to kind of acknowledge like what happened and and everything so the bill is good but I don't think it it really goes far enough because then we're in this gray area because we were on a ship so we were within burn pit areas a lot of the time just because we a lot of our ships were not that far off the coast yeah you know you're under sometimes 100 miles so you know you see you can see smoke cloud you can see it move move over areas and stuff um but i don't know if you guys know this about vietnam but i i learned this from uh, my best friend's dad may he rest in peace uh, but he was saying how when Agent Orange was a thing, they tried to discount the Navy in it because they said the Navy wasn't on the ground. So what they realized was happening is that the potable water from the ship, you suck in the water from the whatever you're in. So mm-hmm. the Navy that was going up the rivers in the Vietnam jungle, they weren't on the ground, but they were on boats. They're sucking in the water. Agent Orange is falling and landing on the water, in the water whatever. And so now it's being contaminated. So that's how they were being contaminated. So I don't know all the science or whatever, but I mean, same thing, right. Could, you know, similar thing could well, be happening. And then all the jet fuel in the water. Yeah. I mean, and based on what I was reading, not only the, did it expand, you know, vertically up in the air, but that it did expand no. over the ocean. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I mean, that was our AOR for years. I mean, for two years, we essentially sailed in boxes in their ocean. Um, So that's true. We did. Yeah. I mean, and again, what makes it significant is because we are the next 
what generation that was exposed to agent orange i mean i mean for anyone who doesn't know what a burn pit is and what it consists of i mean bodies batteries hazmat i mean ammunition anything that you're not tires using that's being discarded would be put in there yep yep i mean (laughs) yeah i mean agent they tested uh the burn pits the ones that they've added to the list Mm. um and found all of those things um and one of the things that was like so asbestos i read about that like oh and our ship had a lot of asbestos on it but for anyone on on the boat who was exposed like it takes essentially like 30 plus years for it to but agent orange and things like that 10 plus years and and when did you hit your 10-year mark um like from when you first when i first got in a couple years ago yeah and then when did you start getting sick i got i mean i got sick probably a couple years after i got out was but i was in for eight so yeah yeah, so i was right there yeah how many more deployments did you do right yeah i did another one after you right actually when you were kind of getting out when you were sick with your daughter i was i was on another deployment we pretty much went right back in so yeah so she got out before i did Mm -hmm. um and one of the reasons she got out was because she had a horrific experience trying to bring a child into this world um, she had the displeasure of giving birth at a naval hospital and having um, military doctors and things like that. And I mean, pretty much almost died. Like they, they almost killed her. And honestly, I think one of the reasons that me and my child are still here because my pregnancy was horrific. We almost died multiple times is because of you. I did not go to a naval hospital. I fought it because I was like, no. You can't, (laughs) I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And that was kind of at the beginning, but that was one of the reasons. And then I had so many health problems and, um, I I was just telling you, I I almost miscarried at seven weeks initially and stuff. So I was so happy that I had like good doctors. Cause she told me that one of the people was like, oh, you're our first pregnant person we've had here in our like ICU or I was the first pregnant woman in the ICU at the Naval Medical Center in Portsmouth that's not what you want to hear though (laughs) like that's not what you want to hear when you're you know I didn't find out about this till after like doctors were like coming to meet me because they legitimately had no idea how I was alive yeah I mean the the mortality rate of somebody with severe sepsis is like five to 15 percent um and i was septic for i was septic from tuesday to friday um so the fact while she was pregnant i had i had just hit eight months pregnant that week yeah and um yeah it was and is a recurring nightmare that I remember intimately, yeah. like from the orientation of the room where I was sitting, where the nurses, you know, the students, like I was dying. I was dying. And there were still students practicing on me. 
there were students monitoring me yeah when I was sleeping like and you can hear that like you can well I I I knew because um I was told um when I very first got there uh because initially when I got into the hospital they wanted me to give a urine sample um and because whatever they detected in my urine was what it was they wanted to come get a fresh sample and there were multiple young females there um who while awake were trying to give me a pediatric catheter uh to get a fresh urine sample yeah no and they couldn't do it they were failing over and over and over and I was screaming I mean I was I mean I was like what the fuck did I do to deserve this like like and then finally a doctor came in after Clement left the room like I looked over at her and I was just like yeah that was another person that we served with who was there yeah she drove me to the hospital she came I called her up and was like I my fever is over 103 like I need you to come pick me up and she came and got me because she you know had fallen off that bull (laughs) (laughs) so she was limbu at the time so she was available she was at home oh my gosh so she came to get me and drove me to the hospital and um so I looked over at her and was like pleading like what fuck like what is happening like please help me and she left the room and i could see her talking to some female doctor and she came in and was like get the fuck back and she she ended up doing it herself yeah and then right after that was like you know your fever is too high we need to cut your abscess back open Mm. we can't give you any local anesthetic because your fever is going to burn it off yeah really fast and so they took the gauze out of my abscess that was in my leg that had ruptured so I was a severely septic at that moment and um she was pulling the gauze out and started you know had to cut it back open again and I must have passed out yeah at that point because I don't remember very much like that night became a blur like there were i went into the hospital wearing my division 255 (laughs) and uh i woke up to them cutting my clothes off of me and putting ice packs all over my body um and then but like the next day like clement had to go check back in with her command like they knew she was there and they let her stay with me yeah which is amazing yeah um and she brought me back some Hardee's that was like down the street yes. from the hospital. Those some fries. chicken stars. And like, I know that like this sounds silly, but like I even got up to go pee. Yeah. Sometime on that Wednesday. And then like by Wednesday afternoon, I guess my, I was on 100% oxygen and labor and delivery and my oxygen levels were still declining. Um, so that day they sent an ICU doctor up to see me and was just asking me questions like, are you too tired to stay awake? yeah and at the time i didn't know this but it was like in the middle of the afternoon so you know i'm like i'm exhausted all i want to do is go to sleep like i can't keep my eyes open and it was like with those responses that they moved me to the icu immediately and um 
And, you know, I, I met my nurse who ended up being my, one of my tattoo artists, which is so cool. A mom who worked at the Naval hospital. And she was like asking me about my tattoos and asking me where I got them from. And I was like, Oh, poor Vida tattoo in Albuquerque. And she's like, <laughs> Oh my God, my son, Alex works there. And I was like, Alex Atencio. <laughs> and she goes, yeah. And I'm like, no way. Like yeah. I was like besties with your daughter at one point, like, you know, knew yeah. your son from school. Like he did the one on my thigh and like some flowers on my arm. And it was just such a small world. Yeah. And she ended up being with me the whole time. And um, Wednesday, you know, it just, again, was being monitored. But um, I actually got to feel contractions when oh. they when they moved me down to the ICU uh, because of just all the stress. Yeah, right. My temperature. Yeah. I mean, everything. Um, at we didn't know it, but like my, my left lung was failing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but they stopped those, but that was my one. That's the one and only time I ever got to feel contractions with Andrea Uh, other than like my Braxton hit, but you know, but anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, talking with her and like seemingly like doing better. Right. And then that night I went to bed and um, at the time I was wearing just like a overall like oxygen mask and Thursday morning around like 4am I woke up and sat up in bed and took off my mask and I just kept saying I can't breathe I can't breathe and there was a young um, you know Asian woman sitting there and she was there to monitor Andrea and I'm yeah. like I can't breathe I can't breathe and she's like what do you want me to do i don't know and i said doctor. i said help me i can't breathe i mean i'm like freaking out and my oxygen levels are continuing yeah. to drop my left lung had collapsed um i had developed a blood clot in my left lung and it was better them to catch that you know um afterwards after, after right right right, um, right, right. So doctors I came this is like driving me nuts so i can see the i'm saying <laughs> So like doctors came running into my room and Alex's mom, I don't remember her name, but she ran over to the monitor and she's like calling out my oxygen levels and they're just screaming at me, put your mask back on, put your mask back on. And I'm I'm like shoving it into my mouth. Like I'm trying to eat my mask. Like, like I'm like trying to inhale the air and I'm like, there's nothing coming out. It's broken. It's broken. And obviously I'm like, much more dying yeah that's why yeah and i'm just like it's not working it's not working and i don't know the name of the oxygen mask but it's similar to like the scba masks Mm. that we use on the ship the ones that like shoot out oxygen so they tried giving me one of those but i couldn't catch my breath like they had it turned down as low as it could go and i would put it up to my mouth and try to take a breath it was like choking yeah on yeah. yeah yeah and so um you know, after several tries, you know, they're yelling at me and I'm continuing to shout at them. It's not working. It's not working. And I eventually just sat back in my bed and I put the mask down and I just kept saying, it's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. Like, yeah, that, that, over, I feel like that's, there was one time where I said those exact words and it was, I was like, cause I was dying. And yeah, I was like, there was be, an, I was like, mom, it's going to be okay. It's okay. There was an overwhelming sense of 
peacefulness in those like suddenly I want to ask I you a, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer this, oh. but maybe you can ponder it though. When you feel those moments like that, do you feel like that makes you more prone to think about ending your life because you know that moment of peace? I think about death a lot. Like, I mean, it's a really ugly topic yeah. to talk about. But, but like, I wonder, people, like, sometimes I wonder if I'm chasing that. I've brought that up with my therapist many times okay. because in, like, there wasn't, like, when I, I think subconsciously, like, I had accepted what was right. happening. Yeah. Right, and, like, you're, yeah. And there wasn't any more pain. Um, my oxygen levels had, I mean, they had dropped down significantly enough to where um I heard Alex's mom shout that my lips were turning blue yeah and then they kicked my bed back and a doctor appeared over my face and was just hand pumping oxygen into me until the intubation and anesthesiologist team came it took them 45 minutes were you swollen I have no idea I mean, I had compression socks on. Yeah. I mean, but I later found out that it took 45 minutes for them to arrive. So for oh, all for of them to arrive, I thought you meant yeah. just to get the. Everything. Like until that's I was a long put. Time. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so they put me in like a, a medical induced coma mm-hmm. uh, because my liver my livers were failing, my kidneys were failing, and then I lost function of my left lung. And then um, my heart started, you know, kind of yeah. skipping some beats. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a catheter put in my neck to my heart to keep it pumping. Yeah. And by Friday morning, they pulled my mom into a conference room and said your daughter isn't gonna make it to tomorrow morning so um we need to take the baby out or they're both gonna die yeah and so they took me to labor delivery you know fully expecting that you weren't gonna come back i wasn't gonna come back and um yeah after they took Andrea out she had to be resuscitated and she had two blood transfusions and um I didn't meet her until she was already three days old I didn't even know yeah that I had had her yeah until they like started waking me up and there was a doctor in my room talking about how like babies born prematurely can have long-term men like um developmental disabilities and yeah and and I like looked at my mom I was still intubated so I like signed to her like whose baby are they talking about and that's when they told me that they had taken her out but I mean after they took her out they took me back to the ICU like not knowing like yeah what was gonna happen yeah and I guess I don't know how much longer after, but I produced like my first bag of urine in like <laughs> days. 
And they were and like, kitty, no, kitty. Kitty. yeah, well, so they needed to take her out because um, I guess there were like four stages of kidney failure and I was stage three. Yeah. So um, they were already like assuming that I was going to need to be put on dialysis right. immediately after they took Andrea out. But then I started peeing. Yeah. So um, I oh, guys, you would think with all of this that she would be like a hundred percent disabled vet, right? Like no, I was no worry. I got 10 ready to, ready to be taken care of. Oh, what was that? I got again? 10% disability from that. And you know what it was from my cesarean scar. What? <laughs> yes. So like all the therapy what? I've been getting oh, over the years, yeah. hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of therapy. And little did I know, I could have gone back to the VA like, bitch, you almost killed me. Yeah. My mental status is like, hanging on, <laughs> you know, but I was on so many meds and they just kept, they just kept me going. Like I was a single mom, like all I knew was how to survive. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Like yeah. after I was done. Like, I was out of work for, like, three months. Yeah, because you weren't really in the place. So you ended up getting out Yeah, after you had your daughter and stuff like that. But even still, so even if I'm thinking a year out, say, from that experience, but I know it wasn't even that long, but, like, you, I don't even feel like I would be in the headspace to comprehend, like, what I would need to say, what I would need to do, like, knowing I would need to, like, get disability, even be able to cognitively, like, be able to be like oh this is going to cause learn long-term issues for me and my kid like you're not in that place that's that's so far from your brain so you're doing a bunch of stuff signing papers dude do, you know my and- command did not even know like by the time my command knew I was in the hospital I was already in a coma like um I was so when I became um, you know, pregnant, they put me on shore duty. I was originally stationed at the security office on Mm -hmm. base and they treated me like I was bottom of the barrel scum. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know how I found out about the air terminal or I don't know if they sent me TDY there or whatever, but by the grace of the universe, I was sent over to the air station and somebody at the air station, Facebook messaged my mom like, hey, we haven't heard from your daughter. I, she was supposed to be SIQ after her abscess. Yeah, Like, yeah. draining. But we haven't heard from her. Nobody went to, like, go. Oh. So, by the time they found out, my chief, who was at the air station, she not only showed up, but she stayed with my mom. She, she convinced my mom to leave my bedside to go to the Fisher house to, like, go check in. Yeah. I mean, they gave my mom... To shower fucking, and, like... I mean, they gave my mom everything. We got the biggest room. Like we were catered. My mom was catered too. But my chief, you know, she came and she was with my mom the whole fucking time. Went home, put on civilian clothes, came back, stayed with my mom. Like nobody talked to my mom like without the chief there. Like she was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, what is this about? You know? And then the chief at like the security station like finally showed up and I guess like 
my mom, the chief who was there was basically like, you're not needed. You can go. And was essentially like dismissed in, yeah. a room, in front of a room full of people just because like, what, why are you here now? Yeah. Where have you been? Yeah. Um, like I was like the forgotten child. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, she was my mom's rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a bear. We're going to take a break and we will be right back. Mm. hey guys welcome back after that short commercial break so now i wanted to get into you getting out of the military so one of the things about being a female veteran that is really specific to female veterans is being a single parent and a lot of female veterans are single parents so when you're transitioning from the military and you're getting out you have a different experience than our male counterparts because you not just have to care for yourself you're caring for a child or multiple children and like I think it's something that the system isn't set up for because it's set up for like families or it's set up for single men who aren't the main caregiver to their kids because you know so how did you find it with trying to get out and being being a single mom because you didn't really use the VA until recently yeah, I mean, I wasn't entitled to it. Okay. Because, um, again, I only got 10%. 10% from, from all that, guys. Of the scar. Of the scar. Yeah. Not anything. Organ failure, nothing. Long. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, just the scar. Just the scar. Yep. Um, okay, so technically, I was married when I got out of the service um, to um, the biological father of andrea um but but, i mean for all intents and purposes you had the kid like (laughs) correct i mean i um went to school it was at the time when the navy was like doing a big push for people to get out if you would go to college yeah so that's what i did like i wasn't willing to deploy after what i had gone through with andrea so i opted not to re-enlist yeah and instead was like well if that's the case like i'll get out early i'll go to college and um we moved from virginia to florida um and um i mean just attempted to raise you know my child with her father and um, it was physically emotionally mentally abusive um so uh, after you know I was able to um make enough and I mean really just kind of grow up yeah a little bit um I ended up leaving him leaving Florida moving to California um where I started with absolutely nothing um I had you know eviction notices on my door because you know i was i mean i was struggling struggling. hey trying to make it you know i mean not only that but i mean i i tried to get help you know with what happened to me with andrea and i was basically told you know it's over now right Mm. so after that i mean i just kind of went through life thinking 
you know, that once again, this was something that I just needed to let, to let go and move on. And that's what I did. But I mean, I never stopped struggling. I mean, well, cause that can any, you can get PTSD from anything. And, you know, when you're in the military, there's a lot of cases and a lot of people who get PTSD from things that aren't combat related that are not even sexual assault related. Just there's other things happening that are very traumatic to people around. And you definitely had PTSD from that experience. And then the thought of having to like leave your kid for nine months or 11 months to do a deployment again is obviously like unthinkable. You're not going to do it, you know? Um, And then because of that, you get out and now you're struggling with being evicted because you're like, you served your country, you're a veteran, you got out because they messed something up. And now you can't pay your rent. You're trying to pay your bills. You're trying to work and also trying to like keep it together. Like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I am, I mean, I go through a lot of therapy right now. Like I'm in a pretty intensive DBT skills, you know, group therapy. I have one-on-one with, you know, a DBT specialist um, because I have never gotten help like I'm finally in a place where like I can slow down Mm -hmm. and but now like all all these things are now like all right it's time to deal with yeah with all of this now and it's been it's been uh an uphill battle uh just trying to get the help that I need from Mm -hmm. the VA they so basically uh my 2015 or 2013 I can't remember what year I put it in but it's my denial for PTSD help and um disability through the VA because of what happened Mm -hmm. with Andrea and um it's been like that since March uh because the hospital only put it as an emergency birth right so out of everything that's all her record says yeah so emergency birth yep up until I had not we almost killed you for like a week yeah and (laughs) and your unborn child right um I actually got pneumonia and a staph infection oh while I was at the hospital that's great yeah uh but 10 percent 10 percent for the scar you're gonna need you need to get 10 percent for pneumonia no can you well I know staph stays in your body so tech so it's staph stays in your body guys so basically the VA is like, wait, what? Yeah. What did she say? What are you talking this about? This is emergency birth, yeah. not death. Yeah. Was on the table. Uh, uh so um and the thing is you're lucky that you're in a position to have Wi-Fi, have a computer, have a smartphone, be able to file uh an appeal to be able to file a disability claim to be able to get help and, and try to remedy this situation because there's a lot of people who don't, who are older than us or maybe suffered from TBIs or cognitive issues who don't have the capacity to even advocate for yourself. After everything that I'm learning to advocate for myself, I've learned to basically sit down, shut up and smile since I was a little girl. And for the first time in my life, I'm advocating for myself I mean, you know, with all the health stuff I've had going on, like I've had doctors ghost me completely because they were like, 
we don't know what the fuck is going on. And it sounds crazy, but as like the health issues that we've been going through, we realized that they were very similar, um, that we had the same symptoms and everything and kind of the shared experience of going to the doctor, being in excruciating pain, and then kind of being told, not that you're not in pain, but that we don't know what's wrong with you. So like, you can go. And so you don't even know what's wrong. You don't know what to do. And it's just this cycle that, that ends up and they continuing. make you believe there's nothing wrong. Right. And from, I can speak, you know, from my own experience that I was trained to believe that if, if someone told me what was done to you, wasn't an issue, it wasn't an issue. Right. And that's what it was. And now, you know, I'm, going through extensive therapy and now it's like no no that was you almost died that's pretty fucking scary like um so I mean I don't even up until you know kind of like the last year like I haven't really known what it has felt not to constantly be in survival mode yeah like to essentially being frozen in time mm-hmm. i mean i don't even know how else to put it just i regret that i waited so long i regret that it took so long for me to reach out because you there know. should have been there should have been something in place and and one of the things i remember talking about when i was at that round table for the pack deck was the help that you need when you're transitioning and being able to get out and that a lot of it needs to just be set in motion, whether the veteran clicks a box or checks a box or says they want it or they need it or whatever, certain things should just kind of be in place where people get it. And even people who aren't receiving services from the VA, because if you're getting out and you're like, uh, you are when you first get out and you have 10% and it's like, okay, why can't, Oh, you're paying for your medicine. You're paying for therapy. Like you're, if you go to the hospital, you're paying for all of these things. And so for myself, I'm 80% disabled. So I don't pay for any of those things. So like if I had surgery, if I've gone to the emergency room, those things are covered. My prescriptions are all covered. But if I wasn't, then I would come out of pocket with that. So a lot of people wouldn't get help though. Like how are you? I'm going, I'm getting treated for PTSD, for a service-connected fucking trauma. Yeah. And I still pay out of pocket for the medications that I need to overcome. Yeah, to survive, to live. And, I mean, and, like, there's just something about having... I mean, I'm essentially waiting for the VA to validate me. Right. And you have to fight for something that should just be given to you, you know? Yeah. And, but I had no idea. I was sent out into the world after having Andrea, after getting out. This. Just a lot. Just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, contact us if you right. need anything, but don't contact yeah. us. And things need to you. be in place better. And one of the reasons why I had a relatively good transition was because my mom was in the military and she was an officer. So before I got out, I filed for disability. I Mm. had all, I had my initial disability claims in already before I even got out so that 
when I got out my last paycheck, the next month, I got my first disability paycheck. So I didn't have a gap and I didn't have an overlap, but like the only reason has nothing to do with my personal military service or like what I learned. The only reason is because I had somebody in my life who was able to say, Hey, this is what you need to do this, this, and that. And if I didn't have that, then, you know, you got out and don't even have your full service record mm-hmm. for your thing. I was telling her about, I was at a command and I had a really great command. Um, and I was able to print out my service record, my military, my uh, medical one mm-hmm. and everything. And, and she was like, I didn't even know there was like a separate electric electronic copy. And I was like, that's not why, why don't you know that? You know, like, why don't, why wasn't that told to people? Why isn't there anything? And you know, this is why veterans are committing suicide and this is why veterans are dying. And this is why veterans are dying of health-related causes. Helplessness. You know. Fucking defeat. You're going in and out of the VA and you're you're struggling to survive. You're not getting all your stuff covered. You have to pay for some of it. And at the end of the day, you're fighting for like your right to say like, hey, we're fucked up. You almost fucking killed me, dude. (laughs) Like, Like... yeah, and 10% for that. For the scar. Right. Yeah. Like, dude. We were talking about stuff that we had to do while we were in service and, you know, being exposed to asbestos, burning pits, being exposed to chemicals. Um, that Abraham Lincoln, which is what we served on recently, had a huge JP5 spill in their potable water tank. So their water had JP5. And it was, it should have been a bigger story, but there's people who were told it was fine, who drank it. So they had chemical burns inside of their bodies, down oh their throats God. and their stomachs. There's people who showered because all of the water is pumping through the same system. So people showered, had rashes, chemical burns on their skin and stuff like that. Like there's hazards that happen all the time. And I'm not saying that they're okay, but I think something you can do is like say, this hazard happened. So like, if y'all were here, this we're going to make sure that all your shit is covered. But instead it's like, can you just move on? Yeah, right. Right. Can you You're just fine. Okay? Yeah. You look fine. Go stand your watch. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and how many times can you be told that what you're feeling isn't real before you you're like, believe it. Yeah, like oh, this hurts or this yeah. doesn't feel good, but no one else is saying anything, right. so I guess I'm the problem. And I think what is crazy is like I was um, at the emergency room not that long ago, and they were asking me what my pain level was, and I have like a rating in my head, and I was telling her what my pain level, and she like didn't believe me because I was like crying or like mm-hmm. whatever. And I said, there's something about being in the military, going through all the stuff. And also like you, you break us down to build us back up. You train us to be soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines. And then you get mad because we're not crying in the ER. Like what I look like a little bitch. I'm in pain. I'm telling you what my pain level is. And it's almost like you, they don't believe you. If you're not bleeding. And, and I feel like that's something very specific to veterans though. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why isn't this being taught to them? Like, maybe they're not going to show pain the way somebody else is, or maybe they're used to pain, or maybe they're used to just being fucked over all the time. Yes. So like they're yes. indifferent. So like, no lady, I'm sorry. I obviously came to the ER in an ambulance. So obviously I'm in a lot of pain. 
I'm telling you and you don't believe me because I'm what? I'm not crying. You know, like you need me to pass out. You need like, you know. Right. I know. Like if they can't, it's like if they can't physically see your ailment. Right. They just don't exist. Yeah. And I mean, that has prevented me from going to the emergency room so many times. And being a woman and I'm being a woman of color. On top of that, you know, people make a lot of assumptions about apparently your your whole life, you know? I mean, (laughs) God forbid you just live. (laughs) I'm just in pain. Can you just fucking focus on that? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say, would you give advice, would you give yourself when you were getting ready to give out, get out as you look back on it now? And now that like, you're kind of going through the VA process oh now man. down the line. I would have been like, let's sit down and go through your medical record together and make sure that what happened to you in the hospital is actually there. Right. Um, like there were notes in Andrea's medical file that there was a needle that broke off inside of her and she had to be monitored uh, for the needle. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the, just the needle. And my flip-flop sized baby. I found that there were things because I because I printed off my whole medical, my electronic medical I printed it out. I had it in a binder. It's, it's a little large. But my doctor, one of my doctors was going through it and there was stuff that was in the notes. Because it's in the notes, but it's not in the record or even a diagnosis. Like I had a diagnosis of anxiety um, and adjustment disorder on our first appointment, but I didn't know that until I had severe postpartum depression and was seeking um, mental health services at my last command after I had my daughter. And then my therapist who went through all of my things said, oh, well, they diagnosed you with adjustment disorder and like anxiety and stuff in 2010 was 2011 something like that and I was like oh uh. she's like yeah they had it written in your notes but it was never written as a diagnosis she's the one who even taught me mm. that there was a difference and if I I wouldn't have known that so I've even gone through my notes of my files to see what else is in there and what can be kind of like crossed over because they won't diagnose you with certain things like dude you know, and that's there i can't even tell you how many times ptsd has been written 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 guys but if you don't have a diagnosis it literally doesn't in count. my file i mean i ended up going to point loma when i was on active duty because of that one ari um I mean, alcohol related incident. <clears throat> and I mean, PTSD was right there. Yeah. Like yeah. it's been there. And still, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Some, I slipped through a gap somewhere. And, and I don't even, I want to, I want to say it's a small gap. 
like I want to believe it's a I I do I want to be like how many well, veterans die the, a yeah. year though I want to be like you're the only one and those are all the gaps it, it's a a, a cesspool <laughs> like gaping yeah yeah a gaping hole but yeah wide that's yeah. crazy because think about like looking back in there and once you like we're hopefully you're going to be able to get your full record and stuff like how many times you're going to see this and realize damn if I would have got help here if I would have got help here and- I mean that's a symptom of PTSD and anxiety thinking back to a time where it was like that night Clement picked me up from my house what would have happened if she would have driven me to the nearest emergency room instead of going 30 minutes out of the way right to Portsmouth Naval right like a fucking because you're trained and yes. this is and this is something else I learned yeah from my mother that you're trained to use a military hospital but that you don't have to if the other hospital is closer you can actually use that and then even if they don't want to pay for it you can fight it because you'll have your bills and you're going to say this hospital was 10 miles as opposed to 30 miles for me to drive wherever whatever yeah. but people don't know that so you're literally active duty you're trained to believe that i have to go to this hospital that is yeah. completely out of the way yep and shitty yeah no I don't even remember the drive. I just remember her picking me up. Yeah. Like, and dropping me off at the doors. And, but yeah, I mean, I go back there all the time. What would have happened? Well, one, you know, my therapist, you know, I've been told by therapists, like, the same thing could have happened. You're fucking right. But they would have named a wing after me. Right, right, uh, right. Andre and I would probably living be living in fucking Barbados right, right now. Like, we would have there would be differences, lady. There would. Oh, be my therapist would have been like top notch. Right. Like, yeah, I would have been like cure this, <laughs> all of it. No cure way. me. Yes. They would just. We would do live in. They would just live there. Just. <laughs> yeah. Press a bell. I'm yeah. having a crisis. I, I need yeah, to come, dude. To um, but like now, like I have, I have mandatory coaching calls i have to do every day and i have two hour therapy every wednesday one hour therapy every thursday um you know on top of all of the coaching calls five days a week like if i had just had some kind of help yeah like any kind of help then who knows right where like who knows yeah what my mental state could be today right like i know damn well i could have processed what happened to me instead of the military being like go back to work mm-hmm. like there was no processing yeah i had a job to do i had a i had a friend on the ship who um had a miscarriage and they made her go back to work and i just remember being like this isn't a job that I want to be in. This isn't an environment that I want to be in because what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, you no know, and I, and I was trying to advocate for her, you know, like, and they kind of were like, who are you trying to come here? You know, cause it wasn't, it, it was literally my best friend's friend, it, but she's like telling you this. And I'm like, this is wrong. Like, this is so messed up. And it's just, it was, just stuff like that over and over and over and over again. And this month, September is Suicide Awareness Month. 
So, you know, this episode is really dedicated to the active duty personnel and military veterans who take their own lives, you know, because there's so much stuff that just, dude, I have all but literally, I have begged therapists, like, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. Like, and it's still like, cool. Uh, well, our next session's in 45 days. We'll talk about it then. Right. I'll make a note of this. We'll talk about it at your next appointment. And it's like in between then. What am I going to do? I mean. And what are the people do who don't have the means? And the people who don't to... make it to the next appointment. Right. What if, what if that one. I mean, this is a fear that I have. Like. What if there's just one day that like. I mean, it's the idea of death being so permanent is one that frightens me tremendously. Yeah. But there are moments when like the idea of just a short death, like just like I not be dead for a long time, but like in those moments, I'm like, if I could just be taken out right the fuck now, (laughs) that would be great. And then if I could just wake up on the other side, like shit, that sucks. Let's carry on. Yeah. Right. You know, but like, um, for, I mean, for the people who are waving the white flag, who have literally said, I'm giving up. I'm, yeah. I'm at the end of my line here. Right. And, and like, I've said that. And will you, you know, will you please, like, I want to, I want to live. Yeah. I want to be alive for my children. Could you please help, help me? me? Could you, right. could you just fucking alleviate? whatever is like and not make me fight to have to say like i have ptsd i need help i need like this this and this or can we do this this and this instead of those you're getting well you're not we we can't support you here you can't see a therapist here because you don't qualify because you don't have the benefits like what is that you know you're telling people that basically they can't get help and then you look at how expensive everything is and some people are in a place where they can afford to have a therapist, to have a coach, to be able to go. And when you really need help, you're going once a week or twice a week. And that like one of my friends pays a copay and I think it's like $50 an appointment. So if you need help for real, like you're struggling, that's a hundred dollars a week. Yeah. And who, my disability, my disability for my, for what happened to me was $267. Oh, that's what I got for disability for what that Naval Hospital did to me. Up until this year, I now get like a little over $600 yeah. now. And that pays for prescriptions. I mean, for all of my other health issues that the Navy's just, Navy. the military, you know, the VA is just taking their sweet ass time right. investigating. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, it's like, cool so like any disability i would use you know for myself right is right. being used for all the things that they should i should be entitled to yeah, you should be um but up until just recent like you know you i remember you making a comment you know like you go to the va and they look at you like oh all of a sudden <laughs> you have all these fucking issues and you want you want disability for it right. it's like well you 
taught me to suck it the fuck up but now my life is falling apart and now that I'm like you know lying on the ground literally lost not knowing like where to go from here I'm finally coming to you and you're like I had somebody put in for PTSD and they sent back and basically said like you got out in 2016 so why didn't you have PTSD then why all of a sudden Mm -hmm. do you now have PTSD in 2021 and I was like the but while we're surviving, you have to fucking think about, I don't, right. I never even knew you could appeal the VA. Yeah. I never knew that was a thing. Right. Like that shit isn't there. Yeah. Like for people who get out, like for the people who go in who are in similar situations, you know, and you know, God forbid, they're not able to like get over them or get help right. for them. They get out, they've got all the same issues but then they've got all the ones they got from Mm -hmm. the military and then they just go on and fumble through life. Like their first instinct isn't to be like, let me hit up the VA. Let me see if I can appeal this. Tell the VA I'm struggling. Yeah. Cause they took such good care of me the first time. My first instinct was to go back. And uh, and there's a lot of, there's a good portion of veterans who don't want to use the VA because of the subpar medical help that they received while they were in duty. And they feel like, well, it was shitty then, it's going to be shitty now. And I, I'm not going to say either way, but allegedly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, those different things. But I think on this month and what I really want from this episode is for anybody who's still active duty, because I know I have some active duty listeners and people who are veterans now, you know, seek help, um, call the VA, reach out. You can reach out to me online. You can reach out to me through the podcast because I really believe in advocating for veterans, female veterans, single parent veterans, because it's no joke out here. And, you know, we're lucky that we were best friends and we were already, you know, we're shipmates and, and everything. And now we've been able to reconnect over our terrible health um, (laughs) from after the Navy, you know, and, and we think about, you know, surviving before on, you know, four locos and, and hot fries but like and now it's like i can't oh my god did i eat an extra piece of broccoli because like i can't have that because it makes me sick like that's what that's what listen uh if it's not low acidic coffee i can't drink it because i know i got pressure so i'm not supposed to have any caffeine at all got that gerd go at all that what colitis crohn's IBS. Um, I got lung nodules. Oh, I have the I have lung nodules and I have lung granulomas. Oh, I just got diagnosed with severe IBS. They said I might have early stage Crohn's, but they're not sure. Oh, I if I do I got or not. You probably you know based on our <laughs> similar symptoms, I think I could. I just had my gallbladder out because my gallbladder diagnosed you. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm getting we have asthma yes isn't that crazy though we're on the same steroid i mean on this inhaler guys it's like a transformer it doesn't look like the little you like like, pump it like in jurassic park it has like a whole thing you gotta open (laughs) like cool like it does actually kind of look cool except it's like damn i gotta take this every day well that and if you don't rinse your mouth you get thrush mouth right and like you can feel it coat your tongue yeah but that's fine right I mean, no, I mean, it couldn't possibly be a coincidence. Like, I never even heard of a granuloma before. I So both of us were literally coughing to death. Got like, 
just, I mean, hacking up, like at some point it's popping Sweating. out blood and like not sleeping through the night. And she gets diagnosed and she's like, yeah, I got this. And I'm like, oh, okay. What like, and I remember going to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you have little nodules and granulomas. And the only reason I knew what that was, because you said, they said you had it. And then they're trying to tell me like, well, that shouldn't be making you cough and you should be fine. And so basically we have tumors. We have tumors in our fucking lungs and we are in our thirties. Yeah. They were, mine were over a centimeter in January and now they're 0.9. And since it's not 0.10, yep, yeah. it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's not an issue. But the fact that it was over a centimeter, based on my research, it was it was mandatory well, that I they biopsy. Them, well, I was going to say because I asked them if they were going to biopsy because I had mine weren't over the limit of how big they needed to be, but I had a bunch mm-hmm. in both sides, and I was like, "Well, can you like just take a needle and we'll figure it out?" And they're like, "Well, it's really painful or whatever, and like could collapse your lung. Like that's one of the worst side effects." But oh, again, I'm like, okay, well, but still. I would prefer to know why do I have these in What like, are they? Helping why, me. Who, why, when did it become the VA's like authority to say, it's you fine. don't need to know yes, what that right. is. I could biopsy for you, but I don't have to. So I'm not. Yeah, girl. If I was 0. That, 0. Yeah. 0.10, not 0.09, 0.10, they would have had to biopsy it. Right. But it's like, mm, must not be an issue. It's fine. Oh, it doesn't hurt. It's fine. But oh, you can't took, leave your house? <laughs> when they took fine. my gallbladder out in January, um, the doctor said that he was like, you must have been in excruciating pain. The way how like elongated and like enlarged my mm. gallbladder was. And I was just like, yeah, the fuck I was. I know. I was trying to tell you guys this whole time. I mean, excruciating pain. Yeah, I realized the that. literal like, physical reactions you have when you consume a red meat. Like, I mean, it like ca- like causes. I never got my gallbladder out. Yeah. Um, but uh, the last the one time, time my daughter thought I was dying. Yeah, she thought I died. Yes, because of how. So we would just it's get violent, violently ill, and just throw up for just, days. Like, violently shitting you know yeah like the recovery time is like four days and you excrete everything out of your body and it's just because you tried to eat some food that's it yep so i tried to eat a tri-tip because you know i i went you know back to the va and they're like your gallbladder is perfectly fine yeah so i was like cool i went and ate a tri-tip and it came out just (laughs) like the rest of the things but like I have to admit in that aspect, like I have given up Yeah, because I have so many other things a VA is focusing on, like my gastroparesis um, and my thoracic outlet syndrome that both. Yeah, we're both getting colonoscopies. We're getting endoscopies, like gastric stuff like uh, test. scans. The HIDA scans, which I'm they getting, say don't hurt, but I don't I feel like I don't like the way that feels. I'm getting an esophageal manometry. I don't know how much radiation we got in our body because I've had so many CAT scans and MRIs this like the last couple yeah. of years. Mm-hmm. Bro, I got I'm my last this, I got all this radiation. My last MRI with contrast uh showed that all of so I they've been seeing 
some bladder wall thickening, some stomach line thickening over the course of the last year. And I was just diagnosed with colitis. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like Like my entire stomach is like, I mean, shutting down and functioning and it's, it's almost like you make the choice to either eat or not eat, you know, because you're going to be in pain and you're still in pain anyway. But less you gotta choose than if you you know the lesser evil if you know you're gonna go somewhere let's talk about the birthday party we were just right. at <laughs> literally just brought you into town and i think between the sh- the two of us we shit like yeah. seven or eight times yeah. they had um, um and, and in like a two and a half, half hour time span like we were alternating in the fucking yeah. bathroom and like that's what happens when you eat and leave the house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I know you've reached out maybe to some people asking if anyone yeah. on the ship has had some instances, I and I know have. nobody wants to talk about their shit. But literally, if I could just take a normal shit, right? If yeah. I could just, know and I, I have reached out to some what people, and I've like. talked to people that were on. I think maybe the Ike who have similar issues to us. They have similar stomach issues, but I haven't talked to anybody else from the Lincoln who has the same stomach issues and stuff that we have. But yeah. It, I mean, anything that they might just think is so, I mean, lung issues, right. stomach issue, any kind of fucking bowel issue. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, we both get fucking, rashes and yeah. stuff. Like, oh, like pressure urticaria <laughs> is my latest autoimmune disease. Yeah. I, if I sleep, on one part of my body for too long if i overheat if i wear clothes with fucking textures i break out in these i mean yeah i mean it looks Mine, like i, I would have get some kind of fucking disease and i would just it, dude it looked like i had a disease and i ha- i would get it all over me you know, it was painful it burned like if sweat touched it it hurt and i'm just like this isn't a normal this isn't normal for one person and let alone for two people like who now live across the country from each other you literally have gotten tests that i have been ordered yeah the hida scan or no you got that before me but then i was like oh shit that's what i'm getting done yeah and then i got that because you had told me about your gallbladder and i'm like wait yeah that's what it means when you can't eat red meat (laughs) and then I ended up having to go to my gastro doctor and say like, Hey, someone said they had similar symptoms as me and they're looking at her gallbladder. Yeah. And then they started looking at my gallbladder or my pancreas mm-hmm. because my levels were off the charts, but then they couldn't, it's like, they couldn't see any physical damage, right? but the numbers were there. Mm-hmm. And that's been my main issue is like the, the well, I had to data go back just doesn't and match to see because I got diagnosed with little syndrome and my potassium is like chronically kind of low so it gets so low that i've passed out or i can't really like i don't know what's going on and i need i don't have any energy i can't get out of bed so i have to go get a potassium drip and i was getting hernia surgery from my pregnancy and birth Mm. and i couldn't they kept finding that all the lab work i was getting up until the surgery my potassium was so low they're like we can't put you under we're actually not sure how you're like standing here having a conversation with us because it's so low like you need to go lay down so I actually was like in there for lab work to get um, my hernia surgery now I'm in the ER (laughs) getting a potassium grip my blood pressure high doing all this stuff but it's like when I went back and looked through my labs 
my potassium had been consistently low, not super low, but low enough that I was like, this was a trend. And that's yes. what the anesthesiologist was the one who even diagnosed me and figured it out, you know, but I was like, oh, wow, this has kind of been like a little bit of an indicator this whole time mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, I think yours was supposed to be like a 3.5 or something that day when I was in there, mine was like a two. I'm standing there like, are y'all done? And they're like, you're going, like, we got to get you a wheelchair. <laughs> we're gonna need to we're down. Gonna need to um <laughs> yeah okay so my uh amylase i've shown you this my amylase and lipase have like my levels i was constantly getting above high normals but nobody was ever talking to me about them right and they don't really like go over your lab with these so, yes. you'll, go, so you'll go to the emergency room mm. and you'll get all these labs like eight vials and then you'll wait for the results and they'll come back and they'll say, well, everything looks normal. Yeah. But like, what does that mean? They don't go step by step by step mm-hmm. and, and tell you everything. So for me, nobody said like, hey, well, your potassium is looking a little whatever. Once it dropped so low that I needed to get IV bags, they finally were like, oh, it's low. But, you know, certain things you go back and you're like, yeah, this is so my, but my shit had been consistently rising. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, how can you not? see that like there's like i'm not a doctor by any means obviously but it's like if numbers are consistently climbing and i'm consistently getting sicker right maybe we could like here. maybe we could like look at that yeah like let's just and then i went to a general surgeon at the va for my gallbladder because my pcm was like the only way to alleviate the pain you're having you have to take it out is to take it out yeah. so i showed up to that i showed up to that appointment and my doctor was like I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> I never read your file. Can you tell me what you think you're here for today? The day of the surgery. Yes. It was my consult yeah. for the surgery. And I said, well, yeah. I've been going through all of these things. And he's like, well, being that I haven't met, you know, read your file, I can't, I can't confidently say like, but you need fault, surgery. But whose fault is that? And I don't know if yours was like mine to where, Okay, so they figured this out in, I'll say November. I'll give them late November, late November-ish mm. that I needed surgery. I didn't get surgery until January 20-something. Thank God we started talking because if it hadn't have been for you, I would have never been like, hey, somebody said that they're literally having all the same symptoms yeah. and they're getting their gallbladder out. Like, could we look at that? And right. that's when they were like, Oh yeah, we'll set you up a HIDA scan. They didn't have the prep they needed for my functioning less and less. My paint level was getting higher and yeah, higher. It it Just was literally God. like travel like all along your yeah. side you know i thought i was dying i i like, i was convinced that like and i just would dude, not eat yep i could go there was there was when i would have a bout of like vomiting yeah four days is what my average time was because you didn't between you eating. didn't feel right you were insanely sick the whole time and it and it, it hurt 
You were exhausted. I had and you're, and you're the dehydrated. Black, I had black tar. The black. I was vomiting coffee grounds. I mean, it like it's so Bro, bad. So she's the one who told. Didn't you tell me about the coffee ground things? Yep. So then, I'm throwing up, and I'm like, oh, I thought is, it was ground beef. And I was like, like, this is what she's talking about, and they're like, oh yeah, well these kind of look like coffee grounds. So I'm literally holding it. So the nurse tells me, she's like, yeah, keep it, hold on to it. When the doctor comes in and I give them, and I think I was in there for maybe like a day or two, like, cause I was fucked up and they're like, oh, well, we don't need that or whatever. And they didn't, and the doctor didn't even look at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but this is my proof to me that like, mm-hmm. this is, I was throwing up coffee. Grounds. I need you to validate me by looking at this. Means. Yeah. Like, can you at least just look at it yeah. and see like, if this is really what. Yep. Yeah. My rashes on my body. I mean, it's gone from like thinking I had fibromyalgia. I mean, I was literally like, somebody please just look at my fucking body. It's yeah. not normal. Right. These splotches are not normal. And then it's like you have to, and I and I get it. You need a referral and you got to go to the dermatologist and you got to do whatever. But sometimes it's like, because there was times where I would be in the emergency room with underlining other issues like mm-hmm. my potassium was low or I was throwing up or dehydrated but then also I'd have a rash and I'd tell them like hey I have this rash too and in my head I'm like I think it's all connected I'm like well we're not going to worry about that we'll get you a, an appointment yep. to yep. to the dermatologist's office and stuff mm-hmm. like that but at the same time it's kind of like well what if for me though it's an issue it is an issue and what if that could actually tell you what's wrong yes maybe this could indicate you know, yeah. something or, or the other. There are two types of like the pressure or Takaria. That's just what my doctor called it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but according to my doctor, that's what she called it. But so there are only two types. One of them is delayed and the other one is like excruciatingly painful. Yeah. So sorry to those who have that, but mine is literally the one where like, if you like, if I wear a bra for too many hours, mm-hmm. if I'm like, if I have, if I'm not, a, if I'm outside of my house, like I'm wearing some kind of gym attire, something that's light and yes. yeah. And I mean, but if I'm going out, I mean, if I have to put on a real bra, something that applies pressure to my body, yeah. I mean, I'm paying for it. Yeah. There are some mornings I wake up and I have to get back in bed because I can't put clothes on. Like I've got welts all over mm-hmm. my body, and that rat, like the rash that I've had, has been it, it's so painful. It's like hard to even explain. And when you move your body or your skin moves or anything's like touching, it you, immobilizes you. It hurts. Yeah. So I would try to like walk as slow as possible, so that no jiggle, jiggle. It full like no, no, none of this stop. Mm-hmm. Like because you can't wear a bra, but then you're literally like, you know, just stay still just don't move all right so if any physicians are watching this if you could just (laughs) take what we've said and like combine it and like what kind what kind of bacterial infection right like that's what they ended up telling me after a whole bunch of different mm -hmm. ones i think they said i ended up having a fungus and i was like dude whatever it is fine just is this it like is this the stuff i need for it because like can we fix it and i do i would love to um continue this conversation ongoing and i would love to talk to other people out there who are active duty really or though, veterans please who have any type of any issues we listed or anything that you just think is weird or any issues Listen, you're having, if you are like, not taking solid poops you are wrong 
if you cannot eat red meat you are wrong it what else what and, if, or just any regular if food, you can't drink like, regular coffee yeah like if yeah you are vomiting after you eat and not digesting right. like you've got it because that was the second half of the potassium issue is i would be throwing up and having diarrhea so bad that i wasn't absorbing things mm -hmm. and and so like the issue I wasn't having nutrients being absorbed into my body. Malnourished. But, but they never figured yep. out why that was, mm -hmm. though. So, mm -hmm. like, so that's still out there. Mm. But um, we are going to wrap up this episode. And um, like I said, I would love to have you on again to have another conversation. Listen, I about have so this. many medical conditions. Yes. We're going to go through them all because I would love for someone to diagnose me. But thank you so much for coming on here Dude, and sure. being my friend. And honestly, like, having you beside me through all this has like mm. really helped and I, it's you it's helped me, my mental you, health too because i like you I encourage up, me like... to keep you encourage me not to stop yeah when i yeah. met when we not met you but when we very first reconnected like just Come for the in. just for the first time somebody validating me i was like oh my god i can't fucking stop right, right. like this is real um yeah. and and so i mean thank you because no, because of you, you i've been diagnosed with so many things it's been really great is that really helpful it is it is though because everyone's been looking at me like why are you bloody in your belly right uh, right yeah but um our kids just came in so we are going to wrap this up so thank you for joining us for another episode of politics but make it fashion come interview with me and I hope you lo love this episode. Give us some feedback. If you're a veteran or active duty service member, definitely reach out to us and leave comments. Make sure you that subscribe to the podcast. Um, and guys, just take care of yourselves. And definitely we have new episodes coming out every Wednesday and we will chat soon. Bye.